Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our final day of week 10, streaming in place. We are going to be talking about Lucifer season three, episode 17. And um, I really liked the last couple episodes. Is where I'm starting. Hey, Kitty. Also, Nancy Drew visited, guys. That's the second time she's visited today. She's very intent on a cameo today, apparently. Yes. And that is a happier topic than <laughs> most of this episode. Because there's, okay, there is some stuff I like in here. But I was just, this this whole episode, just like, this is what happens when you make a show of 26 episodes. It doesn't want, they don't want 26 episodes. And there's some good stuff in here, I guess. But, like, so much of it could just be cut. And the stuff that couldn't be cut can't be cut because it's pivoting to stuff that I really don't like in the next few episodes. We have six more episodes of the case, like, of the narrative, right? And then there's the two extra episodes at the end. And of those six episodes, I had to reassure my mom. <laughs> I had to reassure her that there are, there's two ones that I would say are definitely good episodes including the finale. I really like the finale. And there's another episode that is stupid, but it funny things happen because of it. And, uh, and then there's other, there's one I don't care about, but it's fine. And then there's two, I don't remember. Um, so there is good stuff coming that I will like more, but, uh, that's about all I got for this episode. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be rough to talk about because I don't think they really nailed all the, the performance stuff. I think even the stuff with Ellis, um, I think he's good, but like the back and forth, the the whiplash on Lucifer just loves Chloe so much. We can't talk about it. to like uh, she's going to a concert with a person. I've ruined everything. Like I just yeah, it's a lot. And when the L- Linda and May stuff like doesn't isn't resolved and fixed by the gesture in this episode and that expensive ass axe thing. Um, I'm just exhausted talking about that's it. That's so a I'm... 2D 10 axe that she just broke oh, yeah. in half. At least. At least. <laughs> she definitely had to do a strength check to make to break that in half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she just passed it. It was like she rolled a 19 and then she had like a plus four on it. Um, and maybe even had to use an inspiration point for a re-roll because God, I, I, feel, I really feel like we need to just do D D live play at some point. Um <laughs> I, I, is there I think, a Lucifer RPG? Oh, there must no, be. There Someone's has to be. One. But we, <laughs> I don't. I don't even care if it's not Lucifer based. We just. I feel like we should just do one whenever Kate has fun. like a moment. Um, <laughs> I call not DM. No, no, that's fine. I'll run it. It's okay. Um, I don't like being DM, but I'll run it. Um, so, Kate, I agree with you about everything, but I feel like where the discussion needs to start is right at the beginning of the episode, and how bad. Pierces at singing and that awful, awful, awful version of Dust in the Wind that is so bad that it's good. And I really loved it. It's the best part of the episode. <laughs> um, I'd like to demonstrate how much I agree with you, Noel, yeah. by doing this. All I see something, 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 curiosity. Just in the way. Um, I uh, delayed our recording of this episode specifically to go get a prop 
Um, this is the ukulele I never play because I have zero finger dexterity. So um, I laughed so hard. So hard. I was clutching my sides. It's it actually and this is might be the only trenchant commentary i have for the entire episode it was very illuminating to me because all of a sudden i feel like i understood pierce like i got him in like an insufferable slightly tragic comedic pathos kind of way yeah i was like oh okay you've been alive so long that you've done every cliche and and now there's just nothing left to do so you're so you're all dust in the wind and you're just gonna sit in your office at work and play the guitar and sing terribly terribly and and like and that i understand and is a really interesting place for a villain to live is like pathetic lethal selfish something like there's something to that so i mean it was a really good gag but also like i get how that could be a really interesting jumping off point for a villain like a very legends kind of villain actually right and then it just went away as much as i enjoyed the gag of everybody gave pierce the same compliments in ella's compliment box that was pretty funny um it was like then it just disappeared like like it was dust in the wind yes um and it was yeah, it was a it was a fleeting moment and then and then it was gone. Um so yeah, I agree. Yeah. I promise I can sing. That was me purposefully singing badly. A lot like our pop star who also purposely sings badly but very badly. It's be- bad sing I'm not going to get on this particular soapbox. This is all I will say on it. Bad singing, purposeful bad singing by someone who can actually sing is a very difficult thing to do. Either Welling is very good at bad singing or he's a bad singer um it's which is the like peak it's like undetectable when that's like when he's either very very good at it or is naturally a bad singer which is great um are the young woman whose name i don't have in front of me because i didn't pull thank you um is a very bad bad singer she's a good singer she's a bad bad singer and it's a giant pet peeve of mine anyway um i this calls for hold on the trusty bar cart. Woo! Because I just I'm making the noise so you can hear me. Um, I just I just some, couldn't with this. Some episode. some good foley work here. Thank um, you. Yeah, yeah I, I, I throw in an extra splash for me. <laughs> there we go. There we Listen, go. Yeah. Um, no, I absolutely agree that like the, everything that Allison just laid out regarding Pierce and what that moment encapsulates is really really great. And while it kind of resurfaces when poor. Poor, poor Dan has to spend the day with him trying to buck him up. Because he's too nice. Because he's too nice. And also because Dan's been there, um, but he hasn't been there. Um, (laughs) That it's just, it's really great. So like, like Pierce has that whole like long monologue about what he's actually feeling, basically. And lays it all out to Dan. And the only thing I could think of, and Allison, I don't know if this is going to register for you, but it's going to register for Kate, is my boy, my girlfriend turned into the, turned into the moon. That's rough, buddy. Um, <laughs> is just like that is immediately what I thought of. It's just like, what is Dan supposed to say to that? 
there's nothing he can say to that because Dan is not equipped to yes and that. <laughs> yeah. Also, everyone go go watch Avatar. And it's on Netflix and, now. Go yeah. just go oh, watch is that Avatar. what it is? I'm yes. we're starting this weekend. I've never done Avatar before, and we um and Tom has been making me promise. So I decided yes. finally because he was like, "Listen, I love I'm so you. happy. <laughs> I love watching TV with you. But right now, the only things we're watching are Lucifer and Legends because they're the thing that you're things that you're committed to watching. Um, can we please watch something else?" And he loves Legends, too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I was like, yes. Yes, we can. How about we finally start Avatar The Last Airbender? He was like, oh, my God, really? So we were going to start last night and then watched um, uh, a noir film that's a favorite of mine with a friend instead. Uh, so we're starting tonight or tomorrow. Undecided. Depends Scotty, on Drag Scotty, Race. do it. Do it, Scotty. Scotty, it. we'll group watch it. We'll yeah. do it. Yeah. It's just, it's so good. It's so, so good. Okay. Um, okay. Everyone yeah. at home who can't see the chat, first of all, let me just say when we were talking, when we were talking about um, the dust in the wind, Keenan said, "I said, oh no, out loud." <laughs> and Marcus said, "I was putting laundry away when that came on, and I heard it first. I was like, oh no." Um, so that there's that. So yes, we're all on the same page there. But then it looks like guys, a group watch of Avatar The Last Airbender, a group initial first watch of Avatar The Last Airbender has broken out in the chat because both Scotty and Keenan have have never seen it and they've been wanting to watch it. So I think they're going to watch it. And and also for those not in the Zoom, uh, Noel and I were like giddy clapping, like little like seal clapping um, to be quiet, but very excited when Allison yeah. said that because we love Avatar The Last Airbender yeah. because it is as good as everyone says. Yeah. I, I mean, this is, we should just talk about that instead of the Lucifer episode. I will say <laughs> that, like, the first, like, I I legitimately feel like the first seven episodes of Avatar are really geared towards kids. Mm-hmm. It's and a very they, similar, like, arc as, like, Steven Universe. Yeah. So, like, those first seven episodes are very, like, kid-driven. Episode 10, which is called Jet, is the first episode where you Oh, that's what this show is. Okay. Um, to a certain extent. Um, and then it it starts picking up from there. And then season two is just bewilderingly good. Like season two is just like top tier television for me. Um, but yeah, it takes a, just a little while for it to start hailing all audiences as opposed to just its target demo. Um, so something to keep in mind um, going forward with it. Um, but it's still really, really good. Yeah, we're going to want updates. Yeah, no, I will, I demand updates. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, this episode's just a, this episode of Lucifer Mm -hmm. is just a nothing sort of episode. Um, I agree with Kate that I don't really buy into Lucifer's, um, like, tear-eyed fill, but not going down the cheek uh, arrival in Linda's office of I've ruined everything kind of deal. And it's just like, have you? I don't feel like you, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like you have, you've been sort of a jerk, but you, you just, it it was just a weird vibe energy of things that didn't make sense. And Chloe never seemed particularly put out by anything that he was doing in this episode in terms of like trying not to focus on her. And it's just like, meh. Um, so I just never found anything to latch on to. And I do want to just like devote it like a section to the Linda May stuff, but the overall arc of the episode and then just this whole thing just didn't really 
land for me in any way, shape, or form from like an emotional character or arc level. Um, and the only other thing I feel like I have to say about that is that a male diva is a hustler, everyone. We learned that at Legends of Tomorrow this week. So I don't know why they didn't use that nomenclature in this episode. And um, <laughs> Keenan says, um, kind of regarding this, is that Ellen, the compliment box, made them want to die. Um, they're trying to hit an adorable note with her that is so forced, but and Keenan likes Ella. She's good at her job. Let her be positive and affectionate and be good at her job. Um, and yeah, but also like all those compliments were correct. Tom Welling does have great arms. He does. <laughs> well, yeah, and Lurker says, I, I like the compliment. <laughs> I like the compliment box. Um, just the arms. Um, but um, I think that's the, the, maybe for me, that's the interesting thing about this episode is that it's like you guys were saying, but that this is an interesting note for a villain. But the yeah. show is not treating him as the villain. And so normally if you have this type of a pathetic villain, they are surrounded by their minions in a different part of the yeah. show. They are not surrounded by your supporting, like, not the main heroes, but, like, the peripheral characters, right? So you don't take your, um, like, when Spike is being pathetic and, uh, and, like, whiny and stuff and useless in like the beginning of season two of, of Buffy, he's not like, they're not sending Willow in to cheer him up. Right. They're not, when, when you have um, the, the uh, adventure brothers, right. When you've got the mantis, right. Uh, Sorry. what Monarch. Sorry. When you've got Monarch um, being just absolutely ridiculous and pathetic and, and interesting in that way, he's with Dr. Girlfriend. He's not, usually with our heroes and so they're taking ella and dan and i get like we're supposed it feels like we're supposed to like him in this we're supposed to like our our villain so then it doesn't feel like the show thinks he's the villain and it's like but but he is were you guys watching the last episode um and with the the only thing and to bring back to what you were saying noel about the um the the scene with lucifer the only way that that scene works for me is if i decide that what he's talking about is not anything with chloe but is his decision to poke at his dad that he made earlier in the season and that he is worried about the ramifications of that being that's his mess up and such that he has endangered chloe and destabilized everything else to be at this point but the show doesn't earn that <laughs> yeah i have to really stretch in my head canon for that to be what it's about yeah i am um, i have to say i find it very disappointing to listen to you talk about this kate not because of you because you are a marvel but um because i just like are we really not supposed to think that pierce is the villain i don't know because i i I don't know. I want to give the show credit that like, hey, he's a cop and he's a 
handsome square-jawed individual and he has this dark and twisty backstory like him is sort of a ruse because he keeps endangering chloe and if there's one thing that we know on lucifer is bad it's endangering chloe right Mm -hmm. they're ambiguous about lots of other things but like chloe equals good (laughs) is like one thing that i'm pretty sure the show wants us to think so I don't know. So I I guess they're keeping these moments where I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, you are definitely a villain. And just because I can exercise empathy toward your situation because it sounds terrible, like it sounds like hell, which is what it was intended to be, I'm guessing, that that doesn't mean that you're a good person Um, and certainly are not doing good things. Uh, like Latoya's points yesterday about uh, the way that Abel seems to actually want to reconcile, even if um, she can't do that because it's the face of her torture or whatever. And um, and Kane is just interested in what is going to help him get out of his get rid of his mark and get out of his loop or whatever. That um, that resonated with me. But again, it's like. You see that in little tiny flashes and then it completely goes away. It's a baffling lack of clarity in a character that I already thought was really unclear because every time I feel like I get a handle on it, it just gets more vague. And then he'll say something like, well, that's what the Sinner Man thought. Who was the Sinner Man? Seriously. The, the guy that was he the shot. Sinner? He wasn't. Yeah. But, but he was his protege. Yeah, yes. his protege is the Sinner Man. But the Sinner Man killed his brother. So isn't he the Sinner Man? I tell Meadow. <laughs> There's like I can answer. I can sort of answer that question with spoilers, but I, but not really, not satisfyingly. Uh, Lurker says the brother thing was a lie. Uh, Scotty says, Allison is yelling all my thoughts. Lark says, wait, was it? Uh, And we don't know. Because the only people we have saying anything about Chicago is Pierce. But, and then a little bit from, like, Ella hearing through things through the grapevine. Um, But you would think that would be a very public record kind of thing that you couldn't hide. But also, he's Kane. He doesn't have any brothers that are alive. So how could you be, how could he be around somewhere long enough for people to have a track, like a record of somebody being his brother that wouldn't immediately be refuted by all the social media? Like, doesn't make any sense. Well, and I'm willing to buy that, like. I mean, first of all, Lurker says it was a lie, wasn't it, right? Well, yes, of course it was a lie. Except for, I don't think that that even this show, which doesn't always love attention to detail, would have that character say, so-and-so killed my brother, when he is famously brother killer is his whole deal, and not have it be significant in some way, which is why I thought, oh, okay, so he's the Sinner Man, right? Like, when they were showing us the files that were the Sinner Man's files, they were his files. And when they, like, and if, if the guy that he shot the person that where he and Lucifer kidnapped each other. If that is his protege, then he's the sinner man because he was the accomplice, not the actual sinner man. Right? Like that whole storyline was this guy is not the sinner man. He's just working with the sinner man was the entire story. So 
I thought that I had a handle on it. I had to really work to get there. And then he referred to the sinner in the third person. And I got very confused. Again. I just. Yep. No, sorry. Thumbs down. Two thumbs down uh, from Allison on all of this, which I think is a fair judgment to provide. Um, I do want to back up just a bit uh, regarding like the idea of rehabilitating or like making them good villains. Um, Lurker points out that they sort of did the same thing with Charlotte though, and arguably Amenadiel and other than Palmetto, which Lurker puts in all caps, which is appropriate. Um, the show does like to reclaim villains. Um, and I think that that's accurate, but I think that here, like the thrust of Kane's whole thing doesn't really lend itself to that kind of a reclamation. Like, Charlotte had that mom aspect of it and, like, that desire that was driven by family, but also probably to kill dad, um, to, like, propel things forward. And also, Charlotte Helfer went full camp, which brings that idea around. Like, again, like, she just joker grinned when she was about to blow up Chloe in a car. That just does things on a performance level and as audience enjoyment level. And then everything that they slowly built out with the Menadeal over seasons one and two. Also just how we think about a Menadeal less as a villain, but more as like an antagonistic nag, um, especially in season one, please go back to hell brother. Um, and, but Kane doesn't have any of that kind of stuff. So even when they do really delicious, stupid things like him singing dust in the wind in his office, <laughs> at full volume during a work day. Um, it gets undone by other things, basically, by the confusion around the center man. And Allison's already laid all this out. So I think that's where the problem is. Is like, they can't, they want their cake, they want their villain cake and eating it too, but they can't figure out a way to make forks work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's, before we run out of time, Let's talk a little bit about Lyndon Mace. Yeah. Because even if I was more on board than I am, which it would not be hard, um, the fact that Linda goes above and beyond and then in this episode and leads to that delightful, highly entertaining scene with Charlotte <laughs> trying to mediate. Um, th- her doubling down here I mean, obviously, I, I'm not, I know what's coming and I'm not going to be not on board with Maze. It would take more than that for me to not be on board with Maze. But um, I'm so Team Linda and I have no interest or patience in it that I just get frustrated at the show. It's like you were trying, you're trying to balance it, right? And they were doing a good job and Brant was doing a good job with their performance to like try to sell where, where Maze is coming from. But I think that what we get in this episode pushes it too far. Um for it to fit with the characters. And I think it does that for plot necessities later in the season that I can't say, speak on. Um, Cause that's the only reason I can think of for what we get in this episode with the two of them after the, um, the, the negotiation, the mediation conference. Yeah. I, um, I didn't buy. Okay. Of the three characters involved in that storyline, the only one where I bought it as being remotely plausible that the characters would do anything like what happens is Charlotte, where I was like, oh, okay, sure. 
Charlotte wants to make men, so now she wants to help her therapist. Yes. Like, let me help my th- the person who's helping me. Makes perfect sense. A little bit funny. Like, not she has some nice moments in there because she's Trisha Helfer and she's great. But like, it's whatever. It's fine. I could take or leave it, but I understand it. Um, nothing that either Linda or Maze do- does in this episode makes any sense at all. Like, f- Maze wouldn't show up. First of all, like that scene wouldn't happen because she wouldn't show up. Yeah. One. Two, Linda wouldn't agree to it. She's already had her license threatened once, which, by the way, was that ever resolved? I don't think no. it was. But um, that's already happened once. She Like, she can't let her client therapize her. Like, she just wouldn't do it. And then that she would... Just, say all like the i guess maybe bringing the axe makes sense but all of the things in the mediation scene it just none of it read as being remotely plausible um or at all linked to the ways the characters have behaved in the past at all um and it was very frustrating uh and on top of all that it would be probably be marginally more interesting if they were this furious with each other over something other than a deal. so this is the first episode where i was like no i mean you could switch it to like some other reason that they're having this fight and I still wouldn't buy it. Yeah. Um, Lurker says that they forgot that they dragged this whole thing out. The Maze and Linda stuff so long. Uh, Marcus counters, not counters, but adds too many episodes this season. Yeah. And then Scotty is, this storyline is so frustrating. I can't believe the show is trying to convince us that it's right for people to say, quote, well, I'm not dating him, but I don't want you to date him either. It's bananas. Um, Scotty also did enjoy Charlotte's uh, mediation. And then Lurker adds, I think they were fair to Maze. I think they were fair to Maze to be hurt and feel like she's being abandoned again. But this is all way too far. I'm adding way. This is all too far. Um, and yes, all of this. All of all of our, the people in our chat are correct. Allison is correct. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. Um... And Scotty adds the axe is preposterous, but funny, the rest is just preposterous. And I think that's a really good point. I was also just wondering, did Linda wrap that axe herself or did she take it to a mall <laughs> and have some Girl Scouts who were doing a gift wrapping fun- <laughs> fundraiser wrap that double, double-headed axe for her? Because I really want to know. Like, that's, that's, that's what keeps me up at night about this plot is... Not the believability or the ridiculousness or like the fact that this emotionally doesn't make any sense for these characters. Who gift wrapped that axe? <laughs> a who, very who good they did action. a good job. They did such a good job. Like I can barely wrap a box. I feel like whomever was able to wrap an axe well, is doing a very good job. And Maybe. it was just tissue paper. So how much tissue paper did they cut through by accident right. while trying to wrap the blade part that carefully? Yes. Yeah. They also wouldn't, they would very clearly have put cardboard on the blades so as to avoid accidentally hurting someone with the axe. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I have issues with the gift wrap, but it sure did look very festive. (laughs) Marcus says maybe the axe store provides a wrapping service. (laughs) It's possible. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. She Um, ordered it online and it came gift wrapped. Or or other option, there was a run fair in town. There you go. That covers just, me. Yeah, I think that, I think that makes the most sense. And also, I fully believe that Linda goes to run fairs because run fairs are great. But <laughs> um, yeah, just none of this like resonates. It doesn't really feel 
earned. And like Linda doubling down the way that she does at the end of that mediation scene, because she knows how potent it is for Maze to tell her to go to hell because Linda knows what hell is um, and how, 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 how hell operates. Um, makes sense as like a needle point, like, a, like this is the final skewer sort of deal, but it just all feels so overwrought in a way that doesn't make sense. And that's all I have to say, because otherwise I'm just going to be repeating Allison. And Allison says everything much better than I do. So. <laughs> that's not true, but thank you. You're welcome. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Th- that I get frustrated by this season because I think there's some stuff it does really well. And there's some stuff I'm really looking forward to. And uh, there's some stuff I've really enjoyed about this season. I mean, I think I mean, even just for Helfer's performance and everything we've gotten with Charlotte, everything we've got with Dan, right? There, there's a lot of bit, there's been a lot of really good stuff in this season and they have some interesting ideas that they want to explore with their other characters. And even just the concept of Kane, there's a lot of ways that you could do that and have it work really well. And then they just, just don't, they just didn't have a sense of what they, you know, strong enough sense of what they wanted to do. Like in season two, they had a strong sense of what they wanted to do with mom. And some of it got muddled, like where the line between whether we were supposed to be on board with her or not, like that's a little fuzzy at times, but they knew overall kind of what they wanted to do. And then in this, maybe a lot of it probably feels like it's just because they're treading water because there's a clear end point they're going to get to. But it's just a shame because this show is better than this episode. Um, shall we talk about, uh, the, the, I will survive? I mean, when I'm like, you can cut out the, I will survive duet, you know that they've done something wrong. (laughs) I mean, mostly I just appreciate the fact that like one of Lucifer's employees showed up with another microphone because obviously he has more than one microphone. Yes. Um, there's actually three available because there's those two wireless microphones and then the one that came from the ceiling. <laughs> um, so there's there are options. Um, Sky Townsend's character, whose name I do not remember. It's like A-Z-A-R-A or something. Azara or something Yeah. Yeah, no, it's fine. My partner said that like, um, Ellis's sort of like clenched jawed way of singing is like the best deployed here because of the circumstances, um, which is true. Um, I've never seen I Will Survive saying so angrily. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, you like you could cut the entire thing out and it would be fine because wait, she escaped the penthouse to go downstairs and play the piano, but there's a piano right there. Um, and you didn't go to your performance venue, which is what I thought you were going to go do because you wanted to have sex before your performance, but then you just go downstairs and yuck it up at the bar. And it's like, none of this makes any sense and I don't like it. And okay, can we, can we just talk about Avatar The Last Airbender some more? <laughs> can we just tease that some more for Allison and her partner in the Caldwells? <laughs> no, because then I have to edit it. Okay. <laughs> and I have to write a drag race review today. Yeah. I um I just I thought, I don't know, this was even by Lucifer's standards a very weak case of the week. A case of the W E A K. Oh. It just yeah, didn't make any sense 
you know, it feels like they've got, it feels like maybe the writer's room has like a jar full of fun ideas of how to kill someone. And when they get stuck, they pull out an idea from the jar and it was firework. And then they went from there and then just sort of, it, it, it didn't make any sense. Um, and our, our pop star, Ajara, Aksara was uh, just a, like a total non-entity, just not at all. And I didn't really buy Lucifer's reaction to her. I didn't buy that he would annoy her. Um, the All of the stuff about the smoothies was so reductive and easy that it was like irritating. Just really kind of lame. And then on top of everything else, that it was like, ooh, last minute choreography change. What? That doesn't even make any sense. Was she just, if if it was a last minute change so that she could have a break or something, why were they dressed identically? Why wouldn't she be like in her, why wouldn't she be like, oh gosh, what is the name of the DJ um, that Jason pretends to be? <laughs> oh, um. It's something cat, right? Cat something, yeah. Whatever, whoever he pretends to be. If that, maybe I would understand. She wanted a night off somehow, but then her defining character trait is, no, I just have to sing. Very mm. Rachel Berry of her. Um, so yeah, I just, it. I was very put off by that entire storyline. She has a lovely voice, but again, the bad singing also very terrible. Yeah. Lurker says, uh, I didn't understand how the assistant running Xara's uh, social media accounts meant that she could log into her text messages. Social media isn't dual factor for text. Text is dual factor for social media. Um, yeah. And yeah. Scotty says, remember Mr. and Mrs. Mexican Smith? <laughs> yes, I do. Scotty, you do. I do. Fondly. Dan just jumping out of the forest. <laughs> Snowball like fight? Like a coomer. <laughs> it was great. Uh, <laughs> well, that's going to wrap up our conversation about this one. <laughs> Unless anybody has anything else that they wanted to say, throw it in the chat. Um, so that was uh, Let Pinhead Sing! Exclamation point. So enthused. Um, next week, we're going to be back for week 11, and we're going to be talking about episode 18, um, which is The Last Heartbreak. Any guesses? Well, I assume that's a... We're trying to make Pierce, Chloe, Lucifer happen. It's not happening situation. Oh, Marcus says, oh, the tri- tickets should have gone to Trixie. Yes, they should Yes! Have. Yeah. You know what, Marcus? That is the most outrageous thing about this episode. That is a good point. That is Rick Chloe! Chloe! You have a daughter, and she's a pop star? Nope. <laughs> Anti. <laughs> okay, so are we all gonna like sing Dust in the Wind as we outro this, like all together as a chorus? <laughs> yes, the uke's back. Kate's like, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> Kate, get your violin out. Yeah, I, I would. It's right there, but, but I'm not going to because I'm just sitting here deciding whether I'm going to say anything else. But I think I probably should just let y'all figure out. There's some stuff I like in the next episode. <laughs> Play us out, Allison. Uh, I'm so bland. I'll do all the bland things that a bland guy can. I'm so sad. Sitting in my office singing songs on my guitar. I'm sad. Sad in my office. All I am is sad in my office. How is that? 
That's, that's great. Good. Perfect. I think it was great. This is exactly what we needed. Thank you. Um, thank and, you. And on that note, thank you. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. Thank you to everyone hanging out in the chat today, which is Lurker, Keenan, Marcus, and Scotty, and everyone listening at home. Um, <laughs> Lurker says applause, applause. Um, we will be back next week. And until then, uh, you know, do your best, everybody out there. And hopefully, at least our streaming watch will take a turn for the positive next week. We've got Coke and Ikea to look forward to, for those of you yes. who know what that's about. Not on Monday. Not on Monday. Anyways, oh. uh, thank you guys. Bye! 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 Bye.